0: Let me ask you to be seated, and if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 25. We'll be looking at the parable of the talents this morning, and that parable begins with verse 14, Matthew 25, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And in my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away." And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be reaping and gnashing of teeth. Let us pray. Our Father, as we give our attention to this parable that Jesus told, I ask you, Lord, to open our minds and hearts to receive your word. Oh God, the Holy Spirit, work your word in us, bring about fruit, I pray, Father, that you would change me, change us, to be more faithful in managing the talents that you have entrusted to us till you come again. For Jesus' sake, amen. When I was in high school, I worked at McDonald's, and I worked very hard, and one reason for my hard work seeking to be responsible there, flipping hamburgers, was because my parents raised me with a very healthy work ethic, for which I'm very thankful, but there's another reason that I, did, I strove to be responsible, and to work diligently there at McDonald's. And it's because the the lead manager, the big boss, would pop in from time to time unannounced just to check on things at the store. And when he showed up, I wanted to be doing my job. I did not want to be found goofing off. And so, I was a watchful employee. I was watchful by being faithful as an employee. And as we've just read the parable of the tenants, I think we see something very similar here. That we are to be watchful disciples of Jesus Christ. That when he returns, we will be found faithful doing the work that he has called us uh, to do. Now, what's interesting about the the parables in Matthew chapter 25, there are three of them. And the parable of the tenants is in the middle. And so the, the first parable, the parable of the ten virgins, basically teaches be prepared when Jesus returns. And then the last parable, which is the parable about judgment, causes us to consider that when Jesus returns, we will have to give an account of how we have lived. And I don't know exactly what all that's going to look like, but that's what the Word of God says. And this middle parable, the parable of the talents, basically teaches this what being watchful, what being prepared looks like. How are we to be watchful? How are we to be prepared? What are we to be about as we wait for Jesus' return so that we will be found uh, faithful? So this morning we have three points as we look specifically at the parable of the tenants. And the first point is going to be the trust that there was a man who went on a journey, and he entrusted his property to three of his servants. And then we want to look at the investment, primarily, what those servants did with the talents that had been entrusted to them. And then thirdly, we'll look at this, this matter of the accounting that will take place. And so you'll find these, these three points on your sermon outline. So I remember when I was a boy... As we, as we first look at the trust, when I was a boy, I remember the day that my dad said, here are the car keys, and he entrusted his Toyota Silica to me, and off I went. I remember the day when I turned to my children with the car keys, and I entrusted my car to them, praying greatly. You know, it's kind of interesting. Employee, uh, employers trust employees with the work, parents trust their children with all sorts of things, clients entrust their portfolio uh, to an in, investor. And what we see here in this parable is that Jesus entrusts many things concerning his kingdom to his disciples. And so why has Jesus then entrusted these talents, these many things about his kingdom uh, to his disciples? And the, the, the way we'll go about answering this is to first look at the parable of the tenants in verse 14, where we read, For it will be like. That's how this parable begins. And for it will be like causes us to go back to the first verse of chapter 15, where we read, The kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins. And the kingdom of heaven will be like this man who goes on a journey and entrust his property to his servants. So the parable of the talents is like the other parables. It teaches us something about the kingdom of God. Jesus has entrusted many things to us because like the man in the parable, our Lord has gone on a journey. He is in a far country, and at one point in history, he will come Think about it like this. Jesus came and he did everything necessary to establish his kingdom on earth. All of his mediatorial work for our salvation to gather a people unto God. And so he established the kingdom. He established that original band of disciples. He fulfilled all that Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah and the kingdom of God. And then in Acts uh, chapter 1, he leaves. (laughs) He departs. He is now the ascended Lord, the Lord of lords and the kings of kings, reigning there at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. But the point that we see is the kingdom of heaven is like this man who journeys far. Our Lord has journeyed far. What has been entrusted to the church? As Jesus is in heaven reigning and ruling today, like this wealthy man who entrusted his property to these three servants, what has Jesus entrusted to the church? Well, first I want us to look at this term talent that we find in, in, in the parable. When we think of a talent today, we often think of, a, of, of an ability uh, that, that one might have or, or maybe a gift. But as it was originally given, the term talent meant a weight of about 75 pounds. And in the ancient world, it became used to refer to a currency, a monetary uh, system. And in fact, the term talent here in this parable refers to a monetary system of the first century. So, so I want us to do the math. I want us to ask, answer this question. How much was entrusted to these three servants? So follow with me. One drachma, that's the Greek, which is about equivalent to one denarius, the Roman currency, amounted to one day's wages. And one talent equaled 6000 drachmases or denariuses. So 6,000 days wages. And so one talent represented 19.2 years of wages. Now, for our purposes this morning, let's just set a base salary of $30,000 a year. And one talent would be equivalent to $576,000. Hey, have you got the math? All right. Now, the master entrusted five talents to the first servant, $2.88 million, according to our little example. Bill, did I get that right? Bill's our banker today. Two talents, the second servant, $1.152 million. And even the fellow that was entrusted with one talent, $576,000. Now, here's the point. The point really isn't the amount of money. The, uh, The point is faithfulness, but... Even a half million dollars is a pretty healthy sum of money, wouldn't you say, in our standards today? So that's the math, got it? So now, why did he give one guy five talents, another one two, and another one one? We really don't know except for the fact that the Bible says, the story is, that the master apportioned these talents according to their ability or abilities, and so The decision to give five, two, and one was solely the master's. But here again, it doesn't matter because the point of the parable is not the amount of talent, the amount of money. The point is taking what has been entrusted to you and being faithful with it, managing it for the master. And so the kingdom of heaven is like this. Jesus has ascended He is still with us, He is still reigning, He is still present with us. We have the Holy Spirit, but He's not physically with us. He has left us, and He tells His disciples that He left us, so the Holy Spirit will come. And He's entrusted us with many things, responsibilities, ministry, commands. And our Lord did not, so the the point is, our Lord did not leave His work unattended, When he ascended into heaven. And that's a point for us today. His mission is continuing through his disciples, through his church, carrying on by faithfully using that which has been entrusted to them in the power of the Holy Spirit to benefit the kingdom of God. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, Matthew 28. The mission of, the, of Jesus is still going on through the church. But you will receive power with the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, the mission is still going on, now empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what are these talents then, specifically, that Jesus has given to us? Well, think about the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples. Think about Acts 1-8, be my witnesses all over the world. Think about 1 Corinthians 12, the spiritual gifts that have been specifically given to believers to benefit the church. Think of the Sermon on the Mount. The, the ethic that, that Jesus teaches his disciples. This is how, this is who you are, and this is how you are uh, to live. Think about the responsibilities we have in worship. Think about what God has entrusted to us with regards to caring for one another in the church and caring for those outside the church, especially the poor and needy in our Think of all the commands, the responsibilities that have been entrusted to the church as Jesus is reigning and ruling in heaven, orchestrating his church, carrying on his mission here on earth. And like the man in the parable, he determines the apportionment of these talents. Now, many talents we all have in common. We all have the talent to worship, right? (laughs) We all have the talent to give. So many of these talents we have in common, but Jesus also specifically gives certain talents to some and other talents to others within the church. Kind of like in 1 Corinthians 12, you got one body, different parts, but You know i'm not an ear and you're not a foot but it it all works together and i I suggest that we think about these talents these responsibilities in the same way it's the same same principle i mean we have wonderful musicians and vocalists at covenant Uh, we have people who are great at organizing fellowship Events. We have people that love to serve. All you have to do is speak a need and they're there helping out. We have people that are really in tune to helping us improve and reaching out to our community and, and to our world. We have people that are gifted at reaching into the church and teaching Sunday school and coming alongside people in council We have different people with different talents doing all sorts of things and when you zoom out and you look at it as a whole, you just marvel at how God has taken this ragtag group of people led by the ragtaggiest of pastors and is really doing some neat stuff. He's entrusted us with many things, he's brought different people with different interests and passions and abilities together to benefit his kingdom in a beautiful and wonderful and diverse way. You know, the list of talents is expansive. There's no way in the world I can even attempt to exhaustively give it. And even what I gave could be debated. So, But I'll just give, give, give you a couple examples of what I think talents mean to us here at Covenant. Just a few. We've been entrusted with the gospel message. We, we've been entrusted with worship, word and sacrament. We, we, we've been entrusted with prayer, with stewardship. You, 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 Jim read the passage in Malachi about not robbing God, but bringing the tithe into the storehouse. That's something that it's been entrusted to us. We've been entrusted with fellowship, with holy living, with world evangelization, with disciple making, with vocations, with, with family being faithful husbands, faithful parents being faithful children, uh, mercy ministry to the poor and needy, and much, much, much more. Just think about all the talents that, that Jesus has said. These are yours, Covenant Presbyterian Church. I have entrusted you with these things. You go forth and faithfully Steward my talents. And like the man in the parable, we all have different talents. The issue is not, I don't have that talent. Why does he or she have that talent? The issue is being faithful with what Jesus has entrusted. To us, which brings us to the second point: investments. How did these servants do with investing the boss's talents? Well, two servants were faithful. They were, and I love this word. It has a negative connotation, I think, but I'm I'm using it today in a very positive way. Uh, Two of the servants were opportunistic. They uh, they got their talents. And man, did they ever put them to work. I mean, they doubled. That's good, right? To double your investment? I'll take that any day. And so they doubled the money. And, and again, the sum of the money, the sum of the talents is not really the issue. The issue is their faithfulness. They, they made the most out of this opportunity given to them by the master, by the man. And then the third servant who was called slothful. <laughs> we really don't know what motivated this guy. The text says he was fearful because he knew the master was a hard man and, you know, sowed where he did not reap. And It could have been that he was mad that he only got one talent. It could have been that he was just lazy. We don't know. But we know he was unfaithful. That we do know. And that's the point of the parable. He failed to take the opportunity and exploit it for the master. And so the question really comes down, kind of boils down, at least in my mind, to this. Am I a faithful disciple by being opportunistic with what Jesus has entrusted to me to benefit his kingdom? I mean, that's that's the question. Right now, are we making the most out of the opportunity of worship? We have the opportunity to speak about Christ throughout the week. Are we making the most of that? We have the opportunity to help one another and to help those outside of our church from time to time. Are we exploiting that opportunity? We have the opportunity to Learn the word of God. We have the opportunity to grow closer to Christ in our devotions. We have the opportunity to pray, to give, to serve. Are we making the most out of them? Think about the circumstances of life that we face every day over and over again as being opportunities to invest the talents that Jesus has entrusted to us to benefit his kingdom. They're His talents. And we have the privilege to manage them on His behalf and to double the investment by being faithful and by being opportunistic. And yeah, by being risky when it comes to serving the Lord as a function of faith. Several weeks ago, I preached on the parable of the Good Samaritan And that parable, from time to time, people will come to me and they'll say, Tim, this sermon really convicted me. Well, let me tell you something. I usually spend a whole lot of time working on these messages, and I feel like it's a whole lot of convicting (laughs) of me because I live with it. And I was terribly convicted in my preaching of the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know the story. If you don't, pull the sermon up on the website and listen to it. Or just read it in your Bible. That's better. And my conviction was, I play the role of the priest and the Levite who pass by the fellow in need more than I like to think. um, The exit off of 630 onto university. How many of you have been on that exit? Been there? Just about everybody. And once you take the exit, of course, you're, you're, let, me, let me clarify this. You're heading east, so you're heading towards town. You take the exit, and you come to the stoplight. You take a right, you go to UALR. You take a left, you go to St. Vincent. Well, many, many times I've been doing my pastoral duties, my priestly duties, and I've been going to St. Vincent to see patients there, church members, to minister to them. And I'm there in the left lane stopped at that stoplight and there's a beggar with a sign i've never seen the same beggar there twice but there's if it's not raining there's usually a beggar there and you know my my normal in the past i've helped out some and i've helped out people coming here to church wanting things and i've and i'm always very skeptical kind of hard-hearted in some ways towards these people because I know I'm being scammed. And so my my typical things I'm just there clenching the steering wheel, looking straight ahead. Thankfully, that is one of the quickest lights in Little Rock. I know because I've timed it. And that thing changes and I'm off. I mean, I'd get a ticket in the intersection going from a dead, you know, zero to 60 in nanoseconds, whatever that is. Well, I've been terribly convicted about that. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, that guy's a beggar. He needs to get a job. Um, he's pro- if I gave him money, he's probably going to spend it on alcohol and drugs. Yeah, don't you think that? That's, that's kind of what, what we think. Uh, and you know what? I've realized that the problem is my heart. The problem is, I'm thinking about that as an imposition as a way for somebody to scam me, instead of seeing it as an opportunity to invest a talent, Jesus' talent, that he's entrusted to me. And so this is what I'm thinking about. Getting a little, little bags, putting some healthy granola bars in there, some other little necessities find a supplier of some small bibles and put those in there and whenever I run across one of these people just simply roll the window down hand him a bag matters not what he does with it my hope is he'll eat the granola bar because they're really good and good for you more importantly, that he will take that Bible and begin reading it. And see, what I've done, irrespective of, of what he does with it, my, my responsibility is to be faithful, to invest Jesus' talent that he's given to me. My goodness, has Jesus given me so much stuff. I could buy granola bars for every beggar in Little Rock and I'm not all that wealthy. My responsibility is to be faithful and to invest in the kingdom. And the kingdom mandate is care for the poor. Right? Care for the widows and orphans. Give have compassion. And so I invest in the kingdom mandate to care for the poor. I invest in the gospel going forth by giving a Bible. It's a win-win way to be a steward. Just a simple way. But it's a way where I've been really convicted about investing in the kingdom. Well... Third point, the accounting. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you know it? We've got to give an account <laughs> of how we manage the talents that Jesus has given to us. And, uh, you know, re- remember in chapter 15 we have three parables. The first parable, ten virgins be prepared. The last parable is one of judgment. And that we, when Jesus comes back, we will stand before him. And we will have to give an account. It's interesting. I th- Josh may address some of this next week, so I don't want to steal his uh, thunder. But I do simply want to say that if, if, if you read the last, the last parable in, in Matthew 25, the, uh, the standard that is used is how have you cared for the poor? Have you given a cup of cold water? You know, the least of these. And so it's kind of a serious thing. But the point I want to make today is that there will be a time where we have to give an account of how we've managed Jesus' talents that he's entrusted to us. And so, of course, we, we, we see this in the parable itself. The man uh, comes home, he calls his servants, and, and of course the servant that has five talents and two talents, they each double the amounts, and now we've got ten talents and Four talents, and they bring these to the masters, and the master commends them. He, he rewards them in, in two ways. First, in verse 21, he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Let me ask you this. How much do you want to hear Jesus say to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. That would be reward enough for me. That I please my master. But he also rewards them in another way. Verse 21 Enter into the joy of your master. Oh my. Not only, well done, good and faithful s- servant, but I want you to come to a deeper relationship with me and experience deeper joy. Isn't that reward enough? We're just simply doing our duty, being faithful with what Jesus has entrusted to us. And when we think of rewards in heaven, let's think about this commendation and this invitation to deeper joy. Wow. It's priceless. well then there's the third servant i remember on several occasions working at mcdonald's where the head manager would pop in unannounced and find employees goofing off he never found me goofing off i'm not saying i didn't goof off but he never found me goofing off now i was a pretty faithful employee i was scared of the manager but i've seen him fire people on the spot because they were found slothful and here this man comes in and he uh, finds this third guy slothful (laughs) here you go master Uh, you're such a hard hard man wheeler and dealer deal maker employee crusher I didn't want to disappoint you so, so I took your talent, and I buried that rascal in the ground. I saved it for you. Aren't you proud of me? Here's your talent back. And what did the ambassador say? Eh, not going to work. In, in, in fact, what the master says is, well, first of all, you've misjudged me. I'm not a hard man. I expect my employees to be faithful. I entrust. I viewed you as a trustworthy servant and I entrusted my talent to you and you have proved yourself to be unfaithful. So I expect much, but I'm not a hard man. You misjudge me. But you even condemn yourself because if I was what you say I am, a hard man, wouldn't you even work harder to invest my money? That's what he says in the parable. And so the guy basically tries to blame shift and gets caught and, it, and he's judged, he's cast out the outer darkness, cast into hell, verse 30. And of course, this is the judgment that we see reflected in the third parable there in chapter 15. We should consider then how we manage, how we invest the talents, Jesus' talents that he has given to us in light of this judgment that, that is uh, to come. Well, we are to be ready and watchful for Jesus' second coming. That's what we learned in the first parable in chapter 15. The way that we're watchful is to manage the talents that Jesus has entrusted to us faithfully as, we're, as we opportunistically invest them in various ways to benefit his kingdom. And in judgment, we will hear our master say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into deeper fellowship with me. And so, I have determined to be more optimistic, opportunistic in the way I invest the talents that Jesus has entrusted to me. And I want to end by, by just telling a little story that's from my personal life that has been very convicting to me. And I want to say this not in any way to elevate myself. I don't want to in any way speak pridefully. But I, but I do want to share with you something that happened to me at the Kroger gas station on Chennaul on my day off when I don't do ministry. Unless someone dies. Don't die on Friday. Please. You know I'm kidding, sort of. And what I want to do in telling this story is, is to kind of bring all this and hopefully wrap the package and tie a tiny bow, just so we can see that what what Jesus is is teaching us here in the parable of talents is not something for just some special mountaintop experience, but it's everyday life. It is just in the midst of filling up your car with gas. I was behind, I had to wait in line. And I was behind the slowest person ever to take the gas nozzle out of the tank after the, the gas nozzle had finished filling the car. And I sat there and sat there and sat there. And then, then the person got in the back of the deal going through their purse. And I'm going, Lord, help me. I, I, I was struggling. It was no one in this congregation And, and so as I'm sitting there, I notice on the other side of the, you know, they got nozzles on both sides of these, these gas pumps. On the other side, there's kind of a broken down looking car, and there was a guy doing something in his trunk, he had gas cans in there. And I thought, it was just odd to me. And then there was this young gal, and there were babies, and all the doors were open. And I, there's just a lot of activity. And so the first thing that came across my mind is that I bet you anything they're probably trying to get money. And so finally, the person left the place there at the gas pump. And I pull in, get out of my car, start pumping gas. And I'm just kind of trying to stay away from the other side. And all of a sudden, this, this gal comes up. And she's a very nice gal and she says sir do you have a couple of dollars that that i could have because i need to get some formula and diapers i've not bought formula and diapers and so i don't know how much they cost and and i thought and this is true i said i don't have any cash to give you sorry and so she went oh that's okay i i understand it's sweet sweet gal and so i'll go back you know Put my credit card in, Mr. Wealthy, and, you know, get my receipt, get all stuff. Sit in my car, and I'm sitting in my car, engine running, air conditioning on, and I'm not moving. Because I, I believe that God the Holy Spirit just really worked, was working on me. And I began thinking about, you know, Tim, first of all, this money's not yours, it's Jesus's. The Kroger card is Jesus's. And it's your day off. You've got plenty of time. You know, can you not just go and meet this gal at Kroger and buy her diapers and formula? And I sat there arguing with myself the whole time, the Holy Spirit just bearing down on me. And I, and I, and I could not put the car and drive, though I really wanted to. And so under conviction, I got out of the car and I said, ma'am, excuse me, I'll be more than happy to meet you at Kroger and you go in and get what you want and I'll pay for it. That's what we did. And diapers are expensive. (laughs) And formula is more expensive. (laughs) And so she went and shopped, came back, paid for it. And she said, sir, I'll pay you back. And I said, oh, no, it's my pleasure. And she said, I knew it because <laughs> I read what was on the back of your T-shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Joshua, where's our assistant pastor? Joshua gave me one of the CPYC Youth Retreat T-shirts <laughs> that had a Bible version or something on the back of it. And that really startled me because I went, oh, my goodness, people really do notice. And I just said, ma'am, I am a Christian, and I just simply did this out of my love for Christ and my concern for you, and left. Now, i tell you that story because, you know, to me, it just helps me understand, first of all, my own hard-heartedness. It should have been my first instinct was to help this gal but it was not. I needed the Holy Spirit to literally kick me and press me into action. But it was an opportunity, while putting gas in my car, to invest a little money in the kingdom of God by helping someone in need and linking it to Jesus. And I didn't even link it to Jesus. She could read. (laughs) How are we investing Jesus' talents in benefiting his kingdom? Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would show us the many opportunities even when we don't want to see them that we come across each and every day to simply invest your talents it might be coming alongside a brother or sister in need and counseling with them or giving them a little extra cash or helping them in some way it could be coming along someone we don't even know that that is poor and needy, and just simply having compassion. It could be giving so that the work of missions can take place around the world. Father, you have, you have entrusted so many things to us. And it really matters not how much of the talents we have and which talents we have, but what matters is faithfulness. And, oh God, make us faithful, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.